I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. Read with me verse 16. Matthew 10, 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And we're just going to jump right in this morning. Jesus is about to send His disciples out. He gives them some instructions. This was before He went to the cross, of course. This was during His lifetime and it was almost like a little... Uh, little, but like a trial run. He empowered them and sent them out in His name. And they came back rejoicing. But He's given them a lot of instructions. And some of it would carry on, uh, carry over to, of course, our lives in the church age as well. But He says here, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And I just, again, want to jump right into it this morning. The wolves represent not only lost men and sinful man, it does represent that, because, but all are lost. He said, I'm sending you forth the sheep in the midst of wolves. The, the meaning here is actually of wicked men. Wicked men. Now all are lost until they're saved. All are lost that are outside of Christ. And all are sinful men. But this he's saying, I'm sending you forth as in the midst of wolves. And wolves here means like wicked men. Wicked rulers. Wicked officials. Hypocrites, enemies of Christ, enemies of the cross, enemies of the church, false prophets, deceivers, people that have aligned themselves against Christ. This is who he said, I'm sending you forth in the midst of wolves. People that have aligned themselves against the Lord Jesus Christ, they fight against his kingdom being uh, advancing. They fight against his gospel being preached and spoken. They fight against the saints of God that know God and represent him on this earth. They fight against his word being heard or spoken. And so he says, these are the wolves. Okay, and he describes them uh, later in this chapter. But these are those that mock the word of God and Christ and the people of God. They ridicule. They tear down. They undermine the things of God. They slander the Lord Jesus Christ and His people and His Word. They oppose the Lord Jesus Christ and they oppose all that is of Christ and all that honors the Lord. And that includes you. And that includes me. And uh, all that would take a stand for the Lord. And the Bible says this know also that he says, yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So that he makes it very clear. All that all that live godly, live godly in Christ Jesus. Doesn't even just say all that are in Christ Jesus. All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So this would include us. These wolves opposed Christ and the things that are of God. And the Lord says to His disciples who He loves, He says, I'm sending you into the very midst of wolves. In the midst of the wolves. I'm sending you out in the midst of wolves. <clears throat> and I'm sending you as sheep in the midst of wolves. And think about it just for a minute. This, this is not something that a man made up to describe a spiritual truth. This is what God said in His Word. I'm sending you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. 
And I believe that the key to this passage, and we're talking about it this morning because I believe we're in a, a, the age and the era where this is very much applying to us as well. I think the key to this verse and this thought and this Word of God from the Lord to His disciples and to us is, is that it is God that is sending them forth. It's He, the eternal Son of God, that's sending them forth. And He's sending them forth in His name. He's sending them forth in His authority and with His authority and power. And the Bible says, Jesus says, after He rose from the dead and before He ascended, He says, uh, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto Me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, okay, and, and teach all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. The key to this passage of sheep in the midst of wolves from God's perspective is that it's He that's sending them forth and He sends men forth and women forth in His power. And He says, all power is given unto Me in heaven and earth. So go. Go. Okay? David said in the Psalms, God had spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Power belongs to the Lord. And so, the situation is not at all what it seems like in the natural. We're going to be talking about this all morning, so I want I wanted to get the picture in your mind of when he says, I'm sending you forth as sheep, little sheep, okay? And I'm sending you in the very midst of wolves. He didn't say there's going to be one wolf that's prowling around somewhere. It's like I'm dropping you out in the middle of wolves. Not just lost people, wicked people, wicked rulers, wicked leaders and their followers, wicked people that oppose Christ and the things of Christ and oppose God. And I'm sending you forth there. And, and it looks on the natural like it's, this is insanity. Okay? But things are not, when we're dealing with God and His Word and a life of faith, it's not what it appears in the natural. It seems like it would be doomed to utter failure, right? The Lord got 12 disciples. He's going to send them forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. This is doomed from the start. You know, this is utter failure. It's not going to prosper. They're not going to prosper. But things are not what they appear in God's kingdom are not what they appear to our natural eyes and to our natural minds. The people of God are to live by faith, not by physical sight. And it's different. I know that you know this. The walk of faith is different than the walk in the natural. It's different. It's a different life. It's a different vision. It's a different sight. We can still see in the natural. Christians can still see in the natural. I can still see the stock market crashes. I can still see, you know, uh, the physical things of what's going on around us. We can still see those things. We're not in living in denial. A lot of times Christians are accused of living in denial and living in some fantasy land, like with their heads stuck in the clouds and we're oblivious to what's going on. Now, I know very well, and I know you do too, is what's going on around me today, in this day, in our country, and so on. If somebody's uh, got a bad report from the doctor, I understand that bad report, what it is. So we can still see in the natural, but we also see something else. 
that the world does not see, that the natural eye does not perceive and cannot see. We see the Lord Jesus Christ. We know Him. We walk with Him. We see Him. And so we're not in denial. We're not blinded to the, quote, the reality of the natural or the physical world. We see it. We know what's going on. But our eyes have been opened and we see something else. And we are to live by that. To live by Christ. To live by faith. This whole life in Jesus, from the time that we initially got saved and our eyes were opened spiritually, all the way through, all the way to glory, like we talked about in Sunday school last week, all the way to glory, all the way to heaven, where the Bible says faith will end in sight. That's what the Bible says. Faith will end in sight. And so, but until that time when we see the Lord face to face, then it is a life of faith. We're commanded to live that way. We must live that way. It is not by our natural eyes and our natural eyesight. And so, our battles are and our enemy are spiritual. And our battles and our enemies may manifest and often do manifest themselves in the natural or in the physical. But they're not, they're not physical battles. They're not carnal battles. Okay? They're spiritual battles. And we have to fight those spiritual battles and spiritual enemies with, from a, as a child of God using the spiritual weapons that God has given us and provided for us. We don't go out with a machine gun and try to shoot down the demon of greed, okay? Or covetousness in our own life. We don't take a, a sword and try to chop up, uh, you know, go find Antichrist and slay him. That's not the nature of the battle. We, we use what God has given us. And we have to use the spiritual weapons that the Lord has given us. Amen? I want you to turn with me in your Bible and look at this real quickly at Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Here Jesus crosses this sea and He comes into the coast. And let's pick up. We're going to read a good bit of this chapter. Uh, chapter 5, 1 through 6. And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when He was come out of the ship immediately, so Jesus in a physical boat, in a physical ship, crosses a physical sea and gets to this land. And it says immediately there came... Uh, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. This is the first thing. Bam. They land the ship. They step out of the boat. This is what greets them. Who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him. No, not with chains. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Something's going on. Something's different. We get a description of the man and his life and what men had tried to do with him. But when Jesus comes, something's different. And then let's skip down. We don't have time to read the whole story. Verse 13. And forthwith, Jesus gave them the unclean spirits leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. Verse 15, And they come to Jesus and see Him that was possessed with the devil 
and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. This was the townspeople. Why am I reading that this morning? Because I believe God wants us to know something. He sends us forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. And this is a spiritual wolf and a spiritual sheep, so to speak. And it's a spiritual battle. battle. But this is the one who's sending us forth. The one who just cast a legion of demons out of this demon-possessed man. This is the one who's sending them forth. And sending us forth. And the Bible, he's he just sending, his, sending his disciples in Matthew 10 forth. And the Bible says, for as he is, so are we in this world. The things of God and the scriptures of God are eternal. It's forever settled in ha- heaven, right? These things are either true or they're not true. This one thing I love, many things I love about knowing Jesus and the Bible and Christianity. When I did finally surrender my, surrender my life fully to the Lord, this is one of the things that helped me. Either this stuff is true, 100%, totally true, or it is not. It is not. There's not this in-between. I'll glean some of the good stuff from Christianity, blend it in with such some of my good old boy theology that I grew up with, and come up with something that works. It's either true, and it's all true, including uh, a whale swallowing Jonah, and all the animals, no matter what people say, that God wanted on the ark, being on the ark, it's either that way or it is not that way. If none of it's that way, then none of it's that way. If any part of it's false, then I want none of it. How would I know which part to believe? How would I know which part to stake my eternity on? And put my, my whole life into the hands? If it's not true, it's not true. If it is true, it is true then I'm going to live by it. And the Bible says, for as He is, so are we in this world. I'm not God, but I'm like Him in this world. We can be Christ-like. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, the eternal Spirit of God, and He is making us like Him. And this is the one that is sending us forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. This is the one, the one where, um, where the seven sons of Sceva, they were seven sons of a Jew, Jewish men, they're trying to, uh, they saw Paul casting out demons, so they wanted to try it. And they're going to just try it. But they didn't know God. And they weren't indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And they weren't sent forth with His power. They weren't sheep in the midst of wolves. They were just other wolves trying to deal with other wolves. Satan trying to cast out Satan. Can't do it, Jesus said. And the Bible says they try to do it. We try to, we adjure you. It means we solemnly charge you or pledge you to come out of him, demons, in the name of Jesus. And the evil spirit answered. That must have been scary. The evil spirit answers through the man and says, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know, but who are you? He had had no authority to cast him out, but you do. And I do in Jesus' name. Paul did. This is the one who's sending us forth, y'all. We're not just sheep in the midst of wolves. We're sheep with a good shepherd in the midst of wolves. Amen? Paul, I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was, I said we were fighting spiritual battles. This was spiritual. Manifest in a physical or natural sense. The man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them. He, he whipped their behinds, okay? And prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. So this 
But this is the one, Jesus I know. The demons know Jesus. And the demons know the men of God, the women of God that represent us, Him. He's, he's the one sending men forth. I'm going to keep reading some examples because I want us to be encouraged this morning by this. In Luke chapter 13, I'll just read it. 11 through 13. Behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity. 18 years. There's a woman, and it manifests in her physical body, but she had a, it was a spiritual battle. <clears throat> she had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years and was uh, bowed, bowed together. So as you can just picture her hunched, hunched over in pain. This was her life for 18 years. And it could no wise lift up herself. And it's a good picture of Satan just wanting to hold somebody down. Okay? And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. This is the one who's sending us forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. We read it this morning in Sunday school. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. <clears throat> this is where we are right now. This is what God is, is saying to us and what He is equipping us for in this hour. The Bible and history are filled with the testimonies of the living God. Overcoming the power of darkness. God, uh, God's power and God's deliverance. And His power on behalf of His people. And for His people that trust Him. Not that we have to be perfect. We do need to trust in the Lord and walk with God. But the Bible and the, tes the, word, the testimonies of life are filled with the testimonies of Christ. Who gets the glory for it? God gets the glory for it. That no flesh should glory in His presence. He's chosen the foolish things and the weak things to confound the wise and to bring to nothing the mighty. That no flesh should glory in His presence. Because it's all for God's glory. The Bible's filled with, in Hebrews 11, when it lists, you know, uh, uh, Abel, righteous Abel, and then Enoch, and then uh, Joshua and, and you know all, all these Abraham and Sarah and to list all these that by faith overcame and Noah built the ark and then it says but for time the time would fail me to tell of how many he just stops says okay 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 I got enough, I've given enough whole chapter of eleven and finally it's a long chapter he gets towards the end and said look time would fail me I'm just going to stop of what of the testimony of God through weak people, normal people, people like you and me that trust God, that know God, that love God, that fear God, that walk with God, that identify themselves with the Lord, that are not perfect, we're up and down, and yet He's perfect and shows Himself mighty on behalf of them. How are sheep supposed to survive in the midst of wolves? Just, I want you to keep getting the picture in your mind. How are sheep supposed to survive? Just last night, I'm flipping through channels. And they show uh, wolves up in the Arctic or somewhere, or Yellowstone, I forgot where it was. And they're, they're chasing down buffalo. Buffalo gets stuck in the snow. It's worn out. This is in Yellowstone. And, and this big old full-size buffalo. You think, man, he could handle that, that wolf. And the thing just kept hounding him down, hounding him down. One wolf. 
one by himself took down this buffalo. He finally got worn out and stuck in the snow and it, it took him out. And uh, how are sheep supposed, supposed to survive in the midst of wolves? How are sheep supposed to not only survive, but to overcome in that environment? To overcome, to prosper, to be victorious in that kind of environment? The answer is because of the shepherd, the good shepherd of the sheep. That is the answer. That is the answer. That sheep are survive and overcome and prosper and do amazing things and miraculous things and, and, uh, and bring to nothing the things that are mighty and strong and confound the wisdom of this world. How are sheep supposed to do that with crafty, tricky, mighty, strong, fierce, hateful wolves? Because of the Good Shepherd that is with us. Amen? I'm just going to read this to you. Well, you know the Scriptures. Psalm 100, verse 3. Know ye, know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Psalm 95, 7. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you will hear His voice. That is who we are, and what we are. And that's why it's not this horrible mismatch. Our shepherd is good. Our shepherd is God. And our shepherd is with us. And He's with us even in the very midst of wolves. And I want you to be encouraged by that this morning. And I want to be encouraged. And I want who's ever maybe listening or watching this at some point uh, later to be encouraged by that. Our shepherd promised to never leave us or forsake us. How in the world is a sheep or multiple sheep supposed to survive in the midst of wolves? The very nature of the battle is a mismatch. It's a mismatch. It looks like a slaughter. And, and God gave that example. The Lord gave that example in that description. And we get to see it played out on TV by these nature videos that go film all this stuff. We actually see that played out. And you say, oh, not pretty. This is not good. A sheep in the midst of wolves. Many sheep in the midst of wolves. It's not good. And the Lord says, I'm sending you there. I'm sending you there. I'm sending you there. He is good. He, our shepherd is good. Our shepherd is God. And He is with us even in the midst of the wolf. Our shepherd is mighty in His people and for His people. Our shepherd empowers by the Holy Ghost His people for the fight and for the battle. Not only to survive the onslaught. Slot. Again, it looks like a massacre, right? Not only to survive the onslaught of spiritual darkness that is coming against us, but to overcome it. To overcome it. We're not going to go through this life with our tail tucked between our legs, always beat up uh, and, and, and defeated. Not in Jesus. Okay? Not in Christ. That is not what we're called to do and not what He empowers us to do. This would be another key passage for today. Just listen to it. I know that you know it. In 1 John 4.4, 4, Ye are of God, little children. So that's us. We're the little children. He's a big God. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. That's who he's talking about. He's talking about the wolves. Okay? Those that are aligned with Antichrist. Those that are aligned against the Lord. And you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. You've overcome them because of your good shepherd. You've overcome them because of Christ in you who is mighty. And, and able. 
And he's more than a conqueror. We're more than conquerors through him that loves us. It looks like a slaughter. It looks like a massacre. It looks like no contest. A man, and I'm going back to these examples, a man so fierce. That man that that lived in the tombs, have you ever really thought about that and pictured what that was like? It's like a horror movie. It's like a horror movie. He lives in graves, in tombs among them. And anytime somebody would go out there, they would be scared to death. They'd probably be telling their kids, don't go over that way outside of town. Don't go play over there. Okay? There's this man who has a legion of demons. And he was so fierce, they would, times that men would uh, catch him and bind him up with chains. And he would pluck them like you and I would pluck a piece of thread. This is supernatural. It was manifest in a physical body. But that's, he would break iron chains and fetters. He could not be bound. And it would have been, he, was, he himself was miserable. He's cutting himself and bleeding and crying day and night. He's miserable. The people around him are afraid. It's fierce. It's scary. He could not be tamed. You can't tame a demon. This is a spiritual battle, as we said at the beginning. And when he sees Jesus, he falls at his feet and worships him. Instantly. Falls at his just sees him, comes running, falls at his feet and worships him. Is that not power? And this is the God that's sending us forth. And he, he sends him forth, and then they come, and the townspeople see Jesus and his disciples, and they look at the man, they knew this guy. And now he's got clothes on. He was naked before, like an animal, worse than an animal. He's clothed and in his right mind. He can think, he can speak, he can reason, he can have his emotions. He wants to go with Jesus. Lord, let me go with you now. Let me go. I want to be with you. I guess he did want to be with him. Amen? And the Lord says, No, I want you to go back and tell the townspeople what great things God's done for you and the mercy that he's had upon you. It's amazing. This is the God that's sending us forth. There was a, a, a giant so strong, 13 feet, 4 inches tall. You know him, named Goliath. A coat of mail. This coat of mail was like metal plates inter, interwoven and like linked together. Okay? So his coat covered him all the way down to below his, his knees. I mean, below his, his thighs down here. And it was made of metal, had pieces of bone and stuff and like that. And it really hard things. Just his, that coat alone weighed about 200 pounds. A lot of men don't weigh 200 pounds, okay? Just his coat weighed 200 pounds. Uh, it reached down to his knees, as I said. Then he had these uh, leather, uh, I'm sorry, brass greaves that covered his thighs. So he's covered down to the knee with brass. He was, he was the Philistines' champion. That's what they called it. He was their champion. And he was a warrior from the time he was a youth. His helmet was made of brass. He had a shield. Besides that armor that he had, a shield of brass that covered, uh, that covered his, his chest area. He had a spear of wood and then a metal tip. This, the wood was like a weaver's beam. I don't know exactly what that's like but a big old piece of wood for the spear. And the head of the spear was made of brass and just the spear head weighed 24 pounds. You say, well, that don't sound like very much. Try to pick up 24 pounds and chunk it. 
see how far you can throw something like athletically 24 pounds and he threw it as a weapon okay like we would throw a little dart or something he had a shield bearer and a shield another whole soldier that went before him carrying a shield that covered him from top to bottom so he'd be free to move around without getting hit he's got this shield that covers his whole body and Goliath cursed David. Cursed David by his gods, by the God of the Philistines. And he says, I will give your flesh to the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Is that not a good picture of Satan too? He wants to steal, kill, and destroy, but he's such an intimidator. All, me picturing all that, I don't know how tall these ceilings are, but this giant was 13 feet, 4 inches. And, and that sight, and then he's cursing, I'm sure, this booming voice, okay? All the Israelite army was shaking in their boots over there to the side, and they weren't going to lift up their heads to peek out of their foxholes to see what's going on. The Bible says David put his hand into the bag, took a stone, and slang it. It smote the Philistine in his forehead, that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. Timber, right? And I'm thinking, that's the God that's sending us forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. David didn't even have any on, on any armor. Nothing. Nothing at all. Just his regular clothes. And he says he ran out there because there was a cause. Because it was of the Lord. And because he was strong in the Lord and the power of his might. There was an enemy so great, Philistines, a little before this, that it would oppress Israel for about 20 years. And they're so strong, and the Israelites are thinking we can never shake them off. They're oppressing us, they're taking our food. They're taking what we have and making it their own. They're making us pay tribute. They're, they're not letting us lift up our heads, basically. 20 years, the Philistines, on one occasion, were oppressing the Israelites. It says, And Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it for a burnt offering holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel. And the Lord heard him. And as Samuel was offering up the, the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to the battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel. That was it. In that particular situation, end of story. This enemy that's so strong we can't defend ourselves, and it's too great for us, and it's keeping us slaves, and, and we, we can't, how are we going to beat them? Samuel cries out to God and offers an offering to God. And while he's in the process of doing that, the enemy's closing in, ready for battle. And it just says the Lord thundered upon him. I don't even know what that means. He thundered upon the Philistines and smote them. And they were done. This is the God that's sending us forth. I'll give one more. There was a, a man who lived, just an individual man, lived his life in sin and greed and covetousness and stealing and dishonesty. And people would think, oh, that man, can he's a tax collector. He can never be anything other than what he is. He's rotten to the core, okay? Rotten to the core. And Jesus said unto him, this day is salvation come to this house. 
For as much as he also is a son of Abraham, for the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost. When God steps in, this is the God that sends us forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Zacchaeus' life was changed instantly. On a progress, on a progression, this day salvation has come to this house. He repented. If you read the story, there was repentance, okay, and an acknowledgement of Christ and who he was. Mary and Martha had buried their brother Lazarus. All three were friends with the Lord. We know the story. And his body is, there's a, a grave so strong and there's a darkness to it and a stone rolled in front of the grave and it's dark and there's a power to death. The Bible talks about power. death has, is an, our enemy. Death has a power to it. And Jesus comes on the scene. He says, said I not unto you, if you'd only believe, you would see the glory of God. Again, this is the, the God and the one who sends his, his people forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. You and I, and I'll be bringing this to a close, you, are, you and I are living in, in incredibly dark times. This is not a pastor being overdramatic. We're living in very, very dark times. They're darker today than they were yesterday. Instead, of they're darker now than they were six months ago when the COVID stuff started. They're darker we're, we're, they're darker. It's a dark hour spiritually. We look at the state of things. We look at the moral condition of things. We look at the moral climate. We, Peter was telling me just this morning, two, I know this morning or overnight, two police officers sitting in their car in Los Angeles. They're sitting there in their car. Someone comes up, pow, pow, shoots them both in the head. The guy's just going off to work. Protect people, do what they're called to do and paid to do. You say, well, that's happened before. And I know it's happened before. It's increasing. It's not that strange anymore to hear about it. But it ought to be gut-wrenching. It ought to affect us. Anyway, um, moral condition, the moral climate, the violence, the hatred, men that have aligned themselves up with Increasingly, this is the key to it, increasingly more against Christ, an anti-Christ agenda, an anti-Christian spirit. Uh, They have leaders and they have followers. And more and more people are aligning themselves with that. There are wicked movements, whole movements that have names that are getting credence and getting acceptance in our world. This is worse. It's darker than it's been. There are men and women and leaders of these movements that are getting professing their openly professing their desires and intentions to silence the people of God, to silence Christians, to kill Christians, to kill the people of God, to silence his word, to silence the testimony of the Lord. We see their wickedness, we see their violent acts. We hear their cursing. If you ever watch them on TV, they got to bleep out everything they say. Because every word is hatred and filled with curse words. They go to a tea party rally, you don't have to do that. You understand what I'm saying? This is moral darkness and wickedness. We see their arrogance and their pride like Goliath. I'm going to feed you your flesh to the birds of the air, to the buzzards, and to the coyotes. I'm going to feed your flesh to them, David. But he didn't feed his flesh to the coyotes and the buzzards. David slung a stone and stuck him in his head. And he dropped like a rock, like a big tree. 
We need to remember this. These people boast themselves. They boast in their hatred of God. Openly put their pictures of Jesus in toilets. And they laugh about it and talk about it in their speeches when they rally their people behind them. And then they endorse one presidential candidate who gladly takes the endorsement. This is the hour we're living in, y'all. They boast of their hatred of God. They boast how they're going to soon eradicate Christianity. Don't think they're not after Christianity. They're absolutely after Christianity. Don't think they're just after democracy or freedom. They're after Christ because the God of this world is behind it all. They want to eradicate Christianity, your Bibles, your freedom to preach the Word and have Bibles, the freedom for us to meet here in this church and worship the Lord. They're after everything that is of the Lord. And you know what they'll tell you? They'll tell you there's nothing you can do to stop us. They'll say local governments, they'll say the school board, they'll say we're going to do what we want, we're going to teach what we want in the schools, we're not going to tell the parents what we're teaching in the schools, and you have no say-so You have none to determine what goes on. They're our kids. They'll tell you that. Nothing you can do to stop us. David says, why do the heathen rage? This is God's reply to that. And the people imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying... Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. I'll just stop reading right there. God's not intimidated by that. God's not intimidated by that. I'm intimidated by that. But my God's not. My good shepherd's not. He's not intimidated by that. Even if I would die for the Lord, they still don't have me. You understand what I'm saying? They still don't have you. To live is Christ, to die is gain. To capture from the body is to be present with the Lord. They have no power. Jesus said, fear Him not can destroy the body, but not the soul. But I'll tell you who to fear. Fear Him can destroy both body and soul in hell. That's who you fear. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the Lord. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Do you think we're in them? I'm not trying to make you afraid. I'm saying, do you think we're in them? We're in them. We're in perilous times, fierce times, dark times. Remember one of the definitions, reducing the strength. The times and the moral climate and the God of this world is working to reduce your strength. It's grinding away at you to bring fear, to to weaken your faith, to reduce the strength of your walk with the Lord. We better call on the Lord. I'm bringing this to a close, but we better call on the Lord. We better trust in the Lord. We better seek His face. We better humble ourselves before the Lord. We better stand in the Lord and in the power of His might. We better fight with His weapons. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Be still. Just give me some scriptures to encourage us all. Be still and know that I am God. And all this chaos and intimidation and craziness and fearful, dreadful things, more fearful and dreadful than we've seen, are going on around us. He says, be still and know that I'm God. Oh, they're not God? No, they say they are, but they're not God. He's God. He's God. Okay? 
And be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. He's a little different than the rest of them. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. David said. David, the one that killed Goliath. Guess what? There were times he was afraid. What time I'm afraid, I will trust in, in thee. There's no other hope, but there is the hope, the Lord. There's no other hope. And he is more than enough for us. I want to read this. I'm about, about to close. But, but before Jesus sent them out, back to what we opened with in Matthew 10, the first verse of that chapter 10.1 says, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Well, that makes a little difference, doesn't it? When our good shepherd is with us, but also he gives us power <clears throat> in, in this type of spiritual power. These signs shall follow them that believe. We know the rest of the passage. And the Bible says, and they went forth. At the end of Mark chapter 16, they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. God also bearing them witness, Hebrews 2.4, both with signs and wonders and diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to His own will. Can I tell you this in closing that there, we need to get serious about our walk with the Lord. If there's one thing you gather from this, well, two things. Our Good Shepherd is with us always. And He's greater than, the, than He that's in the world. And number two, it's time to get serious about your personal walk with Christ. More than you ever have before. You say, well, I'm always serious about my walk with the Lord. We'll get more serious about it. it it's, it's a time for us to step out and step on with the Lord. To get serious about our personal discipleship, our service to God. This is no time for games. It's no time for complacency. It's no time for pretending in our walk with the Lord. It's no time for being timid. It's no time for being politically correct so that we don't make waves on the college campus or wherever we are, the workplace. It's no time for half-hearted Christianity. It's time to serve the Lord and to walk with Him and let Him show Himself mighty in our lives. D, you can come up. Sheep in the midst of wolves are no match. The chief in the midst of the wolves with our good shepherd are more than a match. His presence, his power, his protection, his guidance. The outcome of the battle doesn't rest upon uh, the outcome of the battle rests upon God's performance, not your performance or my performance or skill or strength. It rests upon the Lord completely. Israelites, when they were about to fight one Old Testament battle, said, Behold, God Himself is with us for our captain. He didn't just send us a good captain or a good soldier. God Himself is with us for our captain. And He's with us, y'all. Y'all stand with me this morning. <clears throat> I want you to begin to call upon the Lord. We're living in perilous times. Working to reduce the strength in the midst of wolves. And, and take your time and find your time to meet with the Lord. While you're praying, I want to be reading this psalm. The altars are open right now. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? 
Many are they that rise up against me. Could we not relate to this? Could the believer in every age not relate to this? Many are be that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Selah. Not only are they rising against you, they're saying, you don't have any help. You Christians have nobody to stand with y'all. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Selah. I laid me down and slept. I waked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me. O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the godly. Ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. And that's all we need. That's all we need. He is enough. He is sufficient. And Father, we just come before you this morning.